0: Hey everybody, happy Thursday. Welcome into the trophy lobby at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. This is the podcast daily in Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham, myself, Austin Woodway. We're going to dive into it. I about, uh, there's been a lot of conversation about the passing game and what it did and didn't do on Saturday in the opener. So we're going to tackle a simple question. Bill, are you concerned about the Ohio State passing game?
1: No. no. Okay, no. Berm, are
0: you concerned about the Ohio State passing I game? am not. I'm not either. You thank later. you for joining <laughs> us on the podcast. Here. No, okay, so why is Can it? I
1: put an asterisk? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. well, Let's we're going to get into it. I, I wanted to just, I assumed that we were all <laughs> going to be looking at different ways that we think Ohio State will address the passing attack or improve the passing attack or what was hampering it against Notre Dame. And I just wanted to make that up front. We don't think that there's any real cause for concern. So, no. what happened and what will happen?
2: Uh, I think they were genuinely caught off guard a little bit by what Notre Dame was doing defensively. Uh, you guys know I like the scheme stuff, but my I will be honest, like I, I don't know much about coverages, so I don't pretend to. But I like to read and listen to people who do. And uh, what I got from that is that Notre Dame did a really good job of changing things up on C.J. Stroud, on maybe changing things up from what they had done last year. Maybe that's like an Al Golden influence, but I really think there was an adjustment that had to be made in conjunction with Jackson Smith and Jigba not being out there, to C.J. Stroud and the receivers seeing stuff that they did not expect to see, and, and probably Ryan Day as, as well. And uh, I think you saw them figure it out a little more in the second half, which is what you want to see, but I don't think that's a long-term thing. I think that was a opponent that had a really long time to prepare for Ohio State's passing attack and then got one without Jackson Smith and Jigba, so it kind of worked out in their favor.
1: Yeah, when you lose not just two first-round picks from a year ago, but then you take out Jackson Smith and Jigba, you add in guys that haven't played much, and you put a, a team that had 10 months to prepare for this team that they all have a slight uh, personal bent against. I mean, we talked ad nauseum about Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman and James Laurinaitis and all Al Washington and all the guys that knew what goes on here. Mm-hmm. And then you think about the fact that C.J. Stroud still finished completing 70% of his passes for 225 and two scores without any turnovers. And you're like, it's not a bad start to the season. But obviously, there's a long-term concern if you don't have receivers that are healthy enough to play. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think you have to look at it and say, man, going into this season, we would have never thought Ohio State's depth at wide receiver would be a challenge. But if you are consistently, and now totally getting ahead of myself, but if you're consistently down three of your top six, then all of a sudden we have an issue because I don't believe – That at this point, any of the freshmen in the class of 2022 are anywhere near ready to contribute for Ohio State. So then you have a much different conversation. But I don't think that's one that we need to even consider until the end of the Wisconsin game.
0: Well, that's what makes it difficult, I think, to evaluate because in the short term, you are probably going to see Caleb Brown, Caleb Burton, Young Rays potentially playing in the next two weeks. And also, CJ Stroud's going to throw for a billion yards yes. against these next two teams. So you wouldn't know if things are fixed in that's regardless of if Jackson Smith and Jickville plays or not, or any scheme that Arkansas State may dial up. They won't have, as much as I talked about the disparity between Ohio State and Notre Dame, and one 85 on their roster, those were still top 10 you know, recruiting classes, top 15 recruiting classes, and really good athletes out there. So you had good coaches and good players executing and you can even sometimes do that with less, like we saw Northwestern do. I keep comparing those two games, there are a lot of similarities, I think, to the way Northwestern decided to defend Ryan Day and the Ohio State passing attack and just say, hey, you're going to have to make a choice, and you can throw short all you want, and you can you know, probably move the chains that way, or here's the running attack, and go do mm-hmm. it. And in both of those cases, it, it took a little bit of time for Ryan Day to adjust, but he did, ultimately. Now, If other teams are starting to see what happened in the second half, are they going to make the same choice and just let Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams card them? Yes, probably. Maybe they will. But that gets more challenging the the more that that happens over and over and over. And you get Jackson's Pick and Jigger back, and the Luca starts getting rolling, and Marvin Harrison gets more experience, and maybe Julian Fleming gets healthy or Cameron Babbitt. Then suddenly it becomes a lot more difficult, I think, to just sit back and do nothing and slowly bleed. it back. Maybe that's the better way. But, Probably. But it's,
1: well, it keeps games closer. Yeah. Uh, it, it stops you from being just caught under an avalanche of yards and points. This is something that I, I think Ryan Day had to know heading into this season. Defenses are going to play a lot of that stuff that you're talking about. Go ahead. Take the eight yard passing routes. We do, do not care. What you're not going to do with this Ohio State team is let them beat you on the deep crossers, not going to let them beat you deep. Uh, on on the edges and, and then you force them to be consistent in the running game and even as good as the running game was on Saturday night in the fourth quarter it was still sort of took a little bit of time to get going it was a little clunky and i think that's what you get when you have offensive linemen that are playing you know first starts first part first start for Harris Johnson at, at left tackle first start for Donovan Jackson first start in a while for Matthew Jones where it's like his job and not filling in for someone else it, you know it's a different ball game when you're talking about this offense as opposed to last year and i think one of the things that happens with college football in general is that people it carry last year to this year because Mm -hmm. that's how it's not it's a different team it's a totally different team yes you have some of the different same parts but everything is is going to be handled different and teams around the country are going to adapt to ryan day's offense you have to they scored 20 points in 62 straight games like they're not being slowed down So, like, at some point, you have to stop. You have to go, okay, we need to figure out a new way. And I think I would rather lose to them by letting the Buckeyes outrun you than throw for 500 yards.
0: I think the amusing part is that, you know, there was some perception that C.J. Stroud didn't play a great game on Saturday night. And betters reacted to that. You know, they moved him down in the Heisman (coughs) trade. from number one to number two in the betting odds. Or, you know, oh, he missed – Missed a throw to Emeka Ibuka. Missed the throw to Marvin Harrison. And, and hey, uh, he didn't pass. miss a throw. Yeah, I, I understand it. that. I'm just talking about the perception <laughs> of that. We watched it a lot more closely, and we've talked to a lot of other people about those throws. We have a better appreciation than maybe some of those other people outside that are adjusting down and thinking that CJ Stroud was off or not quite the same. Like It's important to put the rest of that game in context I And mean, we've also talked about. Or to Mayan Williams and how insane it was, and some of the others, uh, the touchdown to mechanic Group early on, that I don't know how many other quarterbacks could even make that. Yeah. Could have been an interception by two different defenders if it wasn't good. <laughs> so good. Um, so, you know, to, to act like that was some sort of problematic performance that is crazy.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't come away thinking that. Uh, I actually, it wasn't his best game, it certainly wasn't his best statistical game. He's had other games where he's looked a little more comfortable than he did, but I don't, like, is anyone concerned that CJ Stroud is not going to be a surgical pocket passer like he was last year? Like, Of course he's going to be that. Uh, maybe he had to knock some rust off. Maybe he was a little shook by Jackson not being in there, but the thing that he did do better than he did last year is the stuff that he was talking about when we were speaking with him on Tuesday. Uh, they call it the second part of the route. I think most people call it like second reaction plays when you when a quarterback gets knocked off a spot and has to extend a play. CJ was not always very good at that last year. He was excellent at it against Notre Dame, which is a very good veteran and turns out fairly complex defense. And I don't know how you can come away from that feeling anything but encouraged by what he's going to do the rest of this year. Like he he didn't get worse at all the things that he was good at last year, and he showed us a tangible way in which he's improved his game. Yeah. And I get like he didn't throw for four hundred yards, and they did probably leave some stuff on the field. But I don't really think that means much
1: moving forward. But he also got significantly better through the game on yeah. Saturday night, which is an important part of it. And he's he's the first guy. He said it multiple times in the last week. First game's are weird, man. Like, they're, they're a weird vibe. You don't know what you're going to get from the defense. You don't have any tape on them. You don't have an opportunity to really prepare yourself mentally. And you think about everything heading into this season. If CJ Stroud isn't the number one pick in the draft, if he's not a Heisman Trophy winner, if he's not the best player in the Big Ten, if he's not – perfect if he throws an incomplete pass people are are, well this isn't a good day (laughs) for cj like this is a kid who has more expectations on him than heading into this season than i think any quarterback in ohio state history on one season and and i know justin fields was a heisman finalist in 2020 uh, and had high expectations heading into 2021 they were not like this
2: no that season took on a different tenor too with all the like we didn't know he was going to play like this is very different
1: this is a or sorry 2019 to 2020 right he He sort of had all the pressure removed from him in 2020. Everything is on CJ Stroud. And that's how he wants it. But it also is heavy, and it's gonna take a minute to adjust to that. And I thought just as we talked to him
0: we decided to have our conversation
1: about CJ Stroud in the middle of between two trophies. I mean, I think it's fairly I think it's fairly (laughs) apropos, but I mean you could see it here you go, (laughs) CJ. You could see him on Tuesday in our opportunity to talk with him in the team room, that he was super relaxed. Like, there's not a kid that seems like he's letting this get him down or weigh on him. And he said last year, after the Minnesota game, after the Oregon game, he spent a lot of time reading – social media, and hearing what... He was doing it in the middle. Of well, that well, that might not have been a great idea. No device against that. But now he's matured, right? He's matured. You, He's matured so much, you have to say matured. Um, <laughs> and, and the fact is, he just didn't seem like this this guy that's worried about it. And if if the quarterback doesn't visibly show signs of, like, I'm shook, then I don't think anyone else should be worried about it. Because I think if you are shook, it shows... One way or another,
0: yeah. you got to chill.
1: Yeah, got to chill, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> you got to chill. It's Bill. That
0: personality we talking about so much. Like, wait a second. Un, unflappable. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, have you seen? And we were just briefly talking about this before we started recording this, but like, he just seems to own the position of quarterback at Ohio State differently than. And there have been great ones here in the last decade. Great, great quarterbacks. Historically, great Ohio State quarterbacks. Have you seen one that seems to own his spot the way he does?
2: No, he does it differently. Like I, I don't know that i have ever felt anyone was uncomfortable with that, but I don't know if anyone has kind of carried it the way that CJ does with like, he's obviously super confident in his own physical abilities, but he also seems to welcome like the, be the spokesman of the team part of it. Um, kind of stand up in front of, of the team to answer questions about things like, when things are going well. Um, yeah, there's a different vibe. JT Barrett did that
1: to an extreme. Day.
0: He was the first one who really became, all right, you're going to do this on every Tuesday, every Saturday, and he had to do it for three plus years. And at the end of it, I can say this because he and I have talked about it in hindsight. and did on the Buckeye cruise They hugged it out not too long ago. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't personal. If I talked to him on the sides. And had a one-on-one conversation with him is great. Yeah. What he got tired of was fifty people, ten cameras, week after week after week, and they weren't at like they weren't winning every game by a hundred points. And that got variable. And he, but that didn't change the impact that he had in front of the team, which is continuing to give those famous speeches. And uh, you know, I was able to at one point get co- audio copy of what was actually said and ask him what was going through his mind and how he did all that. And, like, the team responded to JT Barrett at a high, high level. At the end, you know, was frustrating, I think, for everybody. But he really commanded it. Now, it's a different conversation between what you're able to do from the high-level offensive production. because the Wayne started elevating that. Justin did it differently. He was an outspoken person to bring football back during COVID. But I don't think Ohio State's had a deficiency like that. But they're nobody maybe looks as comfortable in front of the media the way that CJ
1: does. Yeah, and I don't think you can fake that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is indicative of his mindset of this whole thing, which is to go back to the original point of this entire conversation. There's no reason to be concerned about what this passing offense and Ohio State's offense in general is going to look like because of the general they have. There. I, for one, am glad we have the same questions that we finally had. You know, we finally have the same questions we had in the JT Barrier. Can our quarterback throw the ball no? again, <laughs> Kenny? Can he? Can he throw it? Can I mean, it's, it's great to watch the reverse. Like, hey, uh, would, it'd be great if the quarterback would run. I mean, now, remember five years ago, people, <laughs> five years ago, you were asking, hey, can can the quarterback throw? So let's, let's be grateful that uh, things have evolved and wow. that you have the opportunity to see a quarterback who wants to step back in the pocket and throw the ball. And he threw it 34 times, completed pre- 24 balls. It wasn't like a his, uh,
2: his adjusted completion percentage was close to eighty percent. I don't know what that means.
1: It's pretty good. How do you yeah.
2: adjust a completion percentage? I think it takes uh, like drops out of the equation, mm. which I don't think there were very many of. But he was already at seventy percent anyway, so it's,
1: it's a, pretty great. Doesn't it doesn't matter
2: very much, I believe.
1: If you just had all you feel like your mess, mistakes and mess ups just removed just from, from life, yeah, it'd be pretty well, awesome. If it's not your fault, well, oh, wow, okay, nice victim mentality. <laughs> Way to go, pal! It's not your fault, Will. Okay, <laughs> it's from a
2: film called *Goodwill Hunting*. Yeah, not your fault. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys uh, so, sometimes with this stuff? Like, I feel like we're having a very impassioned conversation defending CJ Stroud, which feels a bit unnecessary. It's probably unnecessary, but, here's a, here's a thing, <laughs> but it gets the necessary.
0: I, the reason that I bring it up today is because oftentimes, what we'd have done in the past with all, some of these shows is we'd say, "Well." They're going to be fine. CJ Stroud's a Heisman Trophy finalist. Mm Jackson Smith, the Jig going to be out. Those are the issues. We would zip right through. And I think that this is a... Today, I thought, well, we have a different show, a new show that we're doing. More opportunity to expand on it. And, like, if you look at the opener and you're trying to say, what ways could Ohio State be better? And not just pretending that everything out of it was perfectly fine, which I don't think there's anything Mm -hmm. to bring their hands about, but... The defense held them 10 points and 250 yards. Well, there's nothing to really talk about there. Like, they're much better. Um, and I think there is an inclination to look at. All right, well, if you're viewing this through the lens of what's going to happen in January, well, Ohio State will have to play better on offense. I think they will. And I think that a lot of times people would talk to, and this happened for me and Burm, I don't know about for you on the other podcast before we joined forces, but it was like, oh, um, you guys are just minimizing all these things that could be issues. I don't think they're issues, but we can talk about them and why we don't think that they are.
2: Yeah, I think it, I think it's worth discussing. I I worry sometimes if like there's a, there's a very vocal minority of the fan base that influences <laughs> an outsized portion of the conversation, uh, which I think happens quite a bit. Welcome to
1: America. Yeah, no, I know, I know.
0: Well, but they it, score 21 points in that game. Like, I don't think for so the number one offense in the country a year ago, in said there's no carryover. Like, okay, why didn't work? Yeah, players? no, I
2: think I, – yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I have that question in my head too. The, the thing that it leaves me wondering, to Burm's point, is like what the identity of this team is going to be, and I think the answer could be somewhat substantially different from last year's when you don't have not only good receivers like Chris and Garrett, but good veteran receivers like Chris and Garrett who have kind of seen everything and aren't phased by much yeah. to help bring along a quarterback like CJ. Like if it's CJ and Jackson and some receivers trying to figure it out, Who I think will, but then you have a pretty good offensive line. We think and a couple of stud running backs. Like maybe I don't think it's going to be like 19 when they ran the ball a ton, but more balanced than they
1: had last year. Probably. Ryan Day clearly wants to have an offense that's led by the passing game, but at the core, he's still a football coach who understands you have to find balance in this offense. And I'm going to guarantee you, if you think about what happened on Saturday night, and I know every day we've been like, well, this is the last time we're going to talk about Notre Dame game, but. It's hard, it to talk. Arkansas State doesn't matter. it's hard to talk about <laughs> Arkansas State that much, and we'll talk about it more on, on bold predictions and on other shows. But
0: I, I still don't think we'll mention. It.
1: <laughs> but the the reality is, Ohio State can't win a national championship if they can't run the ball. And mm-hmm. I, I personally, if I'm in a, America, listen. America. I, I grew up dreaming of this place and being a a monster ohio state fan i'm not afraid to admit it i I understand where my bread is butter but i want to say this if the the takeaway from saturday should be holy crap i'm glad ohio state proved they can run the ball Mm -hmm. more than it should be holy crap can ohio state throw the ball like that one game in the the reaction should be last year's problems are fixed potentially And not, oh, now we have to worry about this year's problem. Because this is not a problem.
0: And if you didn't think there was already and you still made it to the end of this video, thank you. Uh, (laughs) And if you disagreed with that, hopefully we brought some reasons to maybe change your mind and feel good that Ohio State might be able to bounce back offensively against the mighty Red Wolves of Arkansas State.
1: Yeah, mere
2: 44-point
0: favorite. They'll be here
1: soon. Uh, can't wait to talk that. about Arkansas State on I'm, I'm Bold Predictions yeah, for Friday my morning. Bold Predictions is that we will not talk about Arkansas State Bold Predictions. <laughs> this guy doesn't know anything. You can see that on Friday.
0: This has been Bold Predictions.
1: No, it's no. what, what is it's the podcast daily? Yeah, this is the podcast is daily.
0: Sorry, sometimes we film a lot of content at once. Spoiler alert. That's Bill Verm. I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. That's going to be Bold Predictions.